The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your faith. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live in the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. And yes, I just took a big old swig of my tangy tangerine, and so I'm having to, you know how your mouth salivates like that? I'm having to constantly gulp here, and I did that right before I'm supposed to speak, so sorry about that. Uh, I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this Saturday morning. And, um, hey, if you want to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you would like to join the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com, scroll down right side of the page, and we're streaming live right there. Just blow that up on whatever device you're on, and uh, then click on the icon here. Uh, join us in the chat. And by the way, I've dropped the Rumble link in there. Anybody, whatever channel you're on, your 
uh, on my personal page, you're on the Facebook page, you're on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, you're on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page, you're on Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, or wherever you're at, I, you can hit that Rumble link and join us over there. Rumble is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Go look for that. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate your support in there as well. And, uh, you know, let's give it back to Facebook. They're going to let you, the few that it lets know uh, when we're on live, jump over there on Rumble and uh, let's give them some support here, at least for the time being. They haven't uh, engaged in any kind of censorship with us that I can see. Some people have told me they are shadow banning certain things, but I, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, we've had pretty good fortune there with um, in God's providence with uh, Rumble. So drop that in there as well. Right above where we're streaming live is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can catch that. He'll also be on live for two hours today from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. That's where you'll watch him there. And then right above that's where you can subscribe to our email uh, newsletter. That One of those goes out every day. Uh, so that includes the morning show archive. And I got to tell you. I'm a little concerned because Kate hasn't written me back on what our topic was. She she kind of gave it was kind of a. I, it's, I, I'll get to that in just a second. Let me let me get this out of the way. Our if you'd like to support us, the donate button is at the top of the page. Click on that. Make a one time donation. Become a partner, a son or daughter of Liberty, a monthly partner, uh, by clicking the link there. And then also the store is available. Today is the last day for. The One Heart Deal, One Heart, the Testimony of Stephanie Joy. This is a small booklet with her testimony in it. Normally $7, no promo code needed. When you buy one, you get one free. So if you buy one, you get one. If you buy 10, you get 10. So that's kind of the deal, okay? Uh, Last day today, before midnight, Eastern Time, and uh, you can take advantage of that, okay? All right, now, what I was saying about Kate is normally we speak on a Friday, if not sometime you know, in between my, my days have just been so busy. She sends me stuff. I, I might get to look at it like one day uh, at a time. Cause I get so much stuff coming in, but she said, we were going to be live from Chichester today. And, um, but the message was kind of, it's not like Kate. So I don't know if something's happened, uh, or what, I don't know if she's on the road. I don't know if she has internet. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know what's going on. She's not on yet. And, um, so it has me a little concerned mainly because of the message that she sent me. And it's just, let me just say it this way. Some of it was kind of garbled is is the way I want to say it. Um, So it just has me a little concerned for her. That's that's all. Um, So she's not on yet. So I'm going to try to wing some things here, (laughs) which I was not prepared for. But I'll I'll let you know some things that I'm thinking about, and this comes as a result of, and I've spoken about this subject before, this comes as a result of, over the past couple of days, since we did the cannibalism show on Wednesday with Lynn, we had a, a guy come in to the chat on Rumble. Now, his moniker is that that would tell you he is one of these last days madness people. Okay. Just, I'm just saying. And so as we begin to interact, you know, he was chastising me for welcoming everyone to the show. 
the, a welcome to the show is just simply, I'm glad you're here to hear the message that we have. Okay? That's really all it is. That's all it is. It's not welcoming anybody that I listed the first who are sinful in their sin and saying it's okay that you remain in that sin, whether it is ideological, whether it's theological, whether it is a practicing sin that you're engaged in at all. That's not what it is. But his moniker was something about end, end times something, prophecy something. This guy doesn't understand his Bible. That's the first thing. Because when it talks about end times, when it talks about last days, when it talks about the time of the end, what is it talking about? It's speaking about the closing out of one age and the entering into a new age. And who closes that age out? The Lord Jesus does, doesn't he? How does he close that age out? He closes it out in the fulfillment of the prophecy about him prophecies about him. Okay? He closes it out about the prophecies about him. What does the writer of Hebrews tell us? In these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. When Paul talks about those coming to scoffers in the last days, can Tim take that and bring it up as an issue for uh, application for us? Absolutely, I can. I absolutely can. But we're on a victory march, folks. Christ has won the victory for us, and we have victory through him, both over our sin, our flesh, and the devil. And the book of Revelation even says, we overcome by what? The word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Okay? Now, I was fixing to get into this, and here comes Kate. So (laughs) we're going to see if we can bring her on in just a second. And uh, and see what we've got going on here. I've got to uh, change some of the stuff, and I've got somebody else here. So we're going to find out who we've got on as soon as we get some audio here. But uh, just one moment here, and we don't have audio, but we've got another guy having the um, having the camera here. So doing live radio here, and this just came on, so. We're going to see what we get here in just a second, but uh, no audio. So anyway, uh, I'll keep talking here until we get the audio. So <clears throat> when we go back in, in Scripture, one of the things that I want to point out is this deception, and it is a deception, that people believe there are two peoples of God. Now, how is that? Well, it's because they've been taught wrongly from the scriptures. It's not been right, rightly divided. And so one of the things is, is that um, I'm still waiting on audio to connect here. Um, so I'm going to have to send uh, to whoever's got this on as to what's going on. But uh, And they've kind of frozen up here, I guess. But uh, anyway, no audio here. So I don't know what we're going to do. In any case... I'm getting lost here because I'm trying to do a technical thing too. Yes, I do need a producer, but I need somebody who knows what they're doing with this. In any case, so when we talk about two peoples of God, how is that being separated out? Now, we've covered this several times, okay? And the main issue is this. There is no two people of God. 
How many of you are familiar with a guy by the name of John Hagee? John Hagee needs to learn what it is, one, about gluttony. That's what he needs to learn, the first thing. That it's a sin. The second thing he needs to do is he needs to repent of his ongoing adultery uh, because he ran off with his secretary, left his first wife. Most people don't know this. Left his first wife, ran off with his secretary. He's been unrepentant in that and started, uh, what was that, Cornerstone or whatever it was down there in Texas. John Hagee, when I was first a, a new Christian, and I didn't know any of, any of this stuff, I came across an article where this guy was promoting the fact that Christians do not need to evangelize Jews. Let me say it again. Christians don't need to evangelize Jews. Now, why is that, John? Well, it's because, from John's standpoint, Jews have their own covenant with God. Now, is that what God says? Is that what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, right? That's what he said. And what does the Bible tell us about Jews and Gentiles? What did Jesus come to do? If we go to, and by the way, I was going to throw this out for um, uh, David, who was talking about he hasn't got, he used to get up at 5 a.m., and uh, now he he doesn't get up that early. He has no reason to get up before 8. Well, David, you know, that's that's true. Go to Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. So you're exactly right on that. But one of the things I want to hit on is this idea um, of what Jesus came to do as far as Jews and Gentiles are concerned. And to do that, I'm going to go to a familiar passage, um, which is in Ephesians, and it is chapter 2. Now, I've read this to you guys several times, but sometimes, you know, we, we need to hear it. We need to have that reiterated so that when we come in contact with these things, um, we can do what we need to do. This is Ephesians chapter 2. Now, most people are familiar uh, with what's going on as far as um, what the Bible says about grace and faith in this particular passage, okay? And I don't know why. Uh, if you're listening, fella who's got the camera on there for Kate, you need to log out and log back in because your audio is not connecting. I don't know if you're hearing me or not, but your audio is not connecting. You need to log out, log back in, okay? And maybe we'll get the audio. Um, but Ephesians 2, most people are familiar with verses 1 through 9. They leave off verse 10 that we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves as a gift of God, not of works, so we can't boast. And then it says, why have we been saved? We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath foreordained or before ordained that we should walk in them. So the people that tell you, oh, we have to do this and we have to do that, or we're not supposed to, we're not about works at all. Well, we're not about works to save ourselves. That's absolutely true. But God has saved us unto good works. 
And we're not talking about ceremonial works. We're talking about loving our neighbor. We're talking about loving God and demonstrating that. He has empowered us. That's what grace does. His unmerited favor also grows in power in us. This is why Paul says, I pray that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Now, how are you going to grow in something if you have the idea, well, it's a one-time thing, it's just an unmerited favor I get to save me from my sin, but it doesn't empower me to do anything? We grow in that grace as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Okay? But notice what he says here. He goes on from there, and he talks about this issue of Gentiles and Jews. He says in verse 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So what's he doing? Uncircumcision are Gentiles. Circumcision are Jews. They're, I mean, this is, this is an outward thing that he's talking about, flesh made by, uh, the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ. So he's speaking to the Ephesians. They are Gentiles. They're considered Gentiles. At that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So here's what he does. He lays out the fact that they are not in the commonwealth of Israel. Now, what does that mean? It means they're not citizens. They don't have the privileges and the benefits that come by being a citizen. We know this because we can look at around us, we can speak about people who are citizens of the country. We can speak about people who are in the country who are non-citizens. That means they're in the country, they may be legally here to work and do all these other things, but they don't have the privileges of a citizen. And then we talk about people who aren't even supposed to be here. We refer to them as illegal aliens, okay? So he says to the Gentiles, you guys are not citizens, or you weren't citizens. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope because you were without God in the world. Yeah, I know you made your gods. I know you worshiped gods, but you didn't have the true and living God. And then he goes on and he says, But in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. Verse 14. For he is our peace. Who is that? Christ. Christ is our peace. Who hath made both. Both who? The circumcised and the uncircumcised. The Jew and the Gentile. He has made both one. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between us, okay? And the between us, whenever you see this, especially like in the King James, and you see it in italics, this is what this means. It means that between us is not in the original. They're at, the translators are adding that there so that you understand what's being said. Otherwise, it would just read, hath broken down the middle wall of partition. And the average reader would go, the partition of what? And he wants you to know it's a partition that's between Jew and Gentile, that distinguishes them. The Jews had been set apart, or Israel had been set apart unto God. They were a holy nation. This is why it's interesting in the New Testament, when you read about a holy nation, he's referring to the church. The church is Israel. Israel is the church. 
I don't believe in replacement theology. I believe in fulfillment theology. Because there were Gentiles within Israel in the Old Testament. They were just a smaller number. Now in the church, the Gentiles are in greater number, and the, the alleged Jews, if you will, have been brought over. And as you read Peter, he distinguishes the church as the Jews and those outside the church as the Gentiles. Okay? So it's just a, it's a greater in fulfillment of what's going on. So he says this. He broke down this middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh, that's Christ, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. See that? What law did he, what law did he destroy here? It was that of the ceremonies. Why? Why was the ceremonial law? Because it was a picture of Christ. When you go into the Old Testament and you read about priests and you read about sacrifice and you read about utensils and you read about the temple and you read about the priests and what they're to do and all of this stuff. In fact, Jesus, when he arose from the dead, Luke 28 says that he spoke to the disciples and he opened up their understanding. And how did he do that? He said he pointed back to the scripture. And what did he do? He said, the prophets and the Psalms. They testify of me. They're about me. Did he do away with the moral law? No. He really didn't. Does that mean we can earn salvation by keeping the moral law? No, it doesn't. But we are empowered to keep the law by the Spirit of God, whom Jesus, whom the Father sent... When Jesus went, ascended, and sat down at the right hand of the, of the Father on high, he sent the Holy Spirit that he might lead us into all truth, that he might empower us to be obedient to his law. Plain and simple. We are not free to sin, and sin is transgression of the law. We're not free to do that if we call ourselves a Christian. We're not. So here's what he says. He did that contained the ordinances for to make in himself what? Listen carefully. Of twain, or of the two, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, you Gentiles, and to them that were nigh, you Jews. For through him we have Access by one spirit unto the Father. Anybody that tells you we've all got the Christ spirit is not telling you the truth. In fact, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, if you don't have of his spirit, you're not of his. Okay? If somebody says we're, we're all children of God, if they mean it in the context that we're all created by God... Yes, if they mean that, that we're all God's children, literally that we've been adopted in his family as Ephesians 1 teaches us, no, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. We're not all children of God in that matter. Some are children of God, some are children of the devil. And Jesus made that very clear as well when he pointed out to the Jews of the day, the Pharisees, and he said, <clears throat> you're not children of Abraham, you're of your father the devil, because if Abraham was your father, you'd be doing the works of, of Abraham. Okay. So this is a starting point. I, I was just thinking about these things as this guy came in 
to act like he was somehow spiritually superior or something like that, whatever that that attitude that he came in. And then he showed himself how much of a hypocrite he was. While he would chastise us for what we do in our intro, he comes along and supports the likes of Donald Trump, who was smelling up and kissing on the neck of Rudy Giuliani in drag. But he supports him. And you know what his excuse was? Well, he's a president, not a minister. Excuse me, Romans 13 says he's a minister of God. Or he's supposed to be. When he was president. See, people don't understand. They don't, they don't think through the consequences of what they're saying. Or what they're doing, oftentimes. And so we see this here, that God has taken... What did we just read in Ephesians 2? He took Jews and Gentiles... And he, instead of keeping them separate, what did he do? He brought them together, made them one new man in Christ. This is why he would later write, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. Okay? If you think the modern state of Israel are the people of God, you've really got some serious problems theologically you got to sort out Ephesians 2 is the first place let me go excuse me to another one and again I don't guess the guy can hear me who connected on zoom because he hasn't logged out and logged back in and he's sitting there with a phone and I don't know who he is Um, so I apologize folks I, I can't I've sent messages and nobody's responding so anyway Uh, The next thing that I want to do is take you over into, if you're having a problem with this, into the book of Galatians. Now, Galatians deals with this twisted nature that somehow there's still this separation of Jews and Gentiles. That they haven't been made one new man in Christ. That somebody has come in and, as Paul says, bewitched them. Okay? Now he starts off, and here's what he says. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. And Galatia, the church at Galatia, has Jews and Gentiles in it. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I marvel that ye are soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, listen, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The term is anathema. Let him be damned. If you don't get the gospel right, you are damned. That's what he's saying. Okay? And Paul is not out to... Be a man pleaser. Look at verse 10. I do not persuade, or do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet, uh, if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And then he goes on and he says, But God showed me mercy. It pleased him to separate me from my mother's womb. Isn't that interesting? He did all of this stuff, and at his before his mother's womb, he was in his mother's womb, God had separated him under this apostleship. And by the way, we're told here, just so you, you get it, that uh, Paul wasn't out doing what Joseph Smith was doing. He was just out on his own, and uh, he had visions of Christ and the Father, which is nonsense, okay? It, it, it's not any of that. He learned what he learned from the Spirit of God, and then he came back, and it was verified what he had learned, because, listen to what he says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus, and after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. And the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not, and, uh, and then he goes on, and we know from Acts chapter 15, all of these guys, the elders there in the church of Jerusalem. Whoa, there we went. That took a while. Okay, all right, so we've got something going on, and I guess we got a guy who's filming here. Um, let me see if we can just do this, and then we'll transition over a little bit. And if we have to stay over, maybe I can pick this up, because I think this is a very important subject. So um, let's see what we got going on uh, there with Kate. And, uh, yeah, well, okay, we don't have anything. Do we have any video? Nope, you got the video off, man. <laughs> okay. All right, I tell you what, let's just, uh, since we aren't, since this is just going to be too much of a problem, let's just, uh, let's just remove that, and uh, we will, um, we'll just, uh, I don't know how to get, get the person, okay, let's just cut that off. I'm sorry, I apologize. Um it's, uh, I do apologize. Okay. Sorry for the interruption there. Okay. Let's get back to what we're doing here. Um, so in the book of Galatians, let me get back to where I was in the book of Galatians, Paul is laying out something for us that is pertinent to what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I do apologize, guys. It, you know, we're supposed to have this stream on at the start of the show, and that wasn't done. And then we've got somebody sitting there with with no audio, so I, I apologize for that. Um, notice what Paul argues here. He doesn't say that somebody has to be circumcised; they don't have to become a quote unquote Jew to be a believer in the Lord Jesus. He says in chapter two. Uh, Neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Uh, later on, we see him have Timothy be circumcised, but it wasn't so Timothy could be right with God. It was so that it wasn't something that stood in the way between him and the Jews he would come against, who might say, oh, well, you got a Greek daddy, you, and, and this, that, and the other, and so you're uncircumcised, and blah, blah, blah. He was going to demonstrate, nope, I've had that too. That's not an issue. Let's get to the real issue, and that is what the gospel is, Okay. So what he does is he breaks this down, 
in chapter 2, and then he's going to start pulling out the fact of what he's going to address here. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. I'd rather speak on this uh, a lot of times. Uh, this, this subject is very dear to me, not only because it's what, it's what the gospel brings about, but this is the false doctrines of what I call dispensationalism. You may be a Schofield follower, a Darbyism, Darbyism, or whatever the case may be. It has hamstrung the American church. It has kept the American church from being the light of the world. Why? Because it's got in this crystal ball thing of, oh, we're in the end times. We've got to see what's coming next. We've got to look in the newspapers and find out. And then we've got to make the scripture fit into whatever it is we find out instead of taking scripture in its context. That's the first thing. The second thing is the deception with the modern Antichrist state of Israel. And it is Antichrist. It is not based upon the Bible. It's based upon occultism and Zionism, neither one of which are biblical. It rejects that Jesus came in the flesh, that God came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? First and Second John. Read that. That's the only place you're going to find the word Antichrist, folks. And John breaks it down as to what Antichrist is. It is any person who holds the doctrine that refuses to receive the love of the truth, which is that Jesus came in the flesh. God came in the flesh in the person of Christ. Okay? That's what an Antichrist is. If you hold to that doctrine, you're an Antichrist. And you're in need of repentance and receiving the love of the truth, which is the gospel. Okay? So... Here's what he does. This is in chapter 2. And the book of Galatians, I'm telling you, if you have a problem with this, stay in the book of Galatians. It will sort it out for you. Read it over and over, but take your time and read it, especially 3 and 4. Chapter 3 and 4, you're really going to see it. This is a part out of chapter 2. He says, we, are, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles... Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, never was, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Okay? Now, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, if you believe Roman Catholic doctrine, whether it is Vatican II or what is before Vatican II, it doesn't change what the gospel is in either one of them. Vatican, Vatican II, everybody proclaimed it as this great thing. We're welcoming back into the fold the Protestants and blah, blah, blah. But they held to the same heretical doctrine and gospel that they held to at Trent, in which they condemned the Protestants. And by the way, we're coming up on, uh, you know, October 31st. That, that's the date. We call it Reformation Day. And the Protestant uh, part of Christ, Protestant Christianity, we call it Reformation Day. Why? That was the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg church door. Now, Luther was not perfect. We know that. You can read some of his writings, and there's some problems there. Our forefather, our Protestant forefathers came out of the Roman Catholic Church. They held on to some of these things, and they were, you can see they were ridding themselves of certain things. There was a sanctification process that was taking place. And we have benefited from what God did through them. We have. 
if you're a believer. You have benefited from hundreds and thousands of years of four Christ, uh, Christian forefathers that came before you. And so we recognize that what broke the back of the tyranny of Rome across Europe, what was it? It was the true gospel. It was the true gospel. Because in Luther's thesis, what was he really upset about? Indulgences, which still are given by the Roman church today. That somehow you can buy God off for yourself and for your family members. You can make pilgrimages, just like in Islam. You can go see relics. And you get like, you know, I don't know, 500,000 years out of purgatory, which we're not told anything about in Scripture. You can do all of this. And hey, if you go to purgatory, and when you die, you have this brown scapular. It's like, it's kind of like the, the magic Mormon underwear stuff. If you've got that on, then Mary herself will descend into purgatory and take you out the following Saturday. And that's the kind of stuff that Rome teaches, among other heresies. Okay? It's not biblical. It dishonors the Christ. It dishonors the work of Christ. And it puts in place the musings of man. In fact, I would highly recommend, if you have not read the book, and this is just a, a little rabbit trail, if you have not read the book, The Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. Write it down, The Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. You can probably find it free online. It's, you know, it's public domain kind of deal. But I'd recommend getting a hardcover so you've not you know, got lights in your eyes and stuff like that. Luther points out that the hinge on which the Protestant Reformation turned was the will. And if men have, quote-unquote, free will, if they have the, and what he meant by that, if they have the ability to do that which pleases God and that which doesn't please God, but mainly the idea if they can please God, then they can find all ways, all kinds of ways that they can put in and deceive themselves into pleasing him and obtain their salvation, which is what Rome does. It appeals to that fleshly nature of your works, of your doing. Okay? Man's will is in bondage because he's dead in his sins, Ephesians 1. Oh, excuse me, Ephesians 2. And he needs somebody to make him alive so that his will is bent towards being a slave of righteousness, as Paul says. And so he has to have his heart changed. He has to take out, God has to take out a heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. All right? So this is all tied in with what we're talking about here in Galatians. And here's what, he, here's what Paul says. He goes on to say this. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. That's on us. And this is why John says, if we do sin, we have what? an advocate with the Father. We confess our sins, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay? But we don't live in a practicing state of sin. So he says, But if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Transgressor of what? The law. I become a sinner. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto Christ, or unto God, excuse me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So Paul is not appealing to his justification or being made righteous before God or being declared righteous or not guilty, if you will, before God. He's not appealing to his own works. He's appealing to the work of Christ. Okay? So, what is this about the two people of God thing? Well, let's look at it. Galatians chapter 3. And this is, this is the meat, as far as I'm concerned, of, of the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 is really the meat here. Okay? Paul addresses believers in the church, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? In other words, what gave you the... How did you obtain the Holy Spirit? Did you do it by keeping the works of the law, or by hearing the gospel that I gave to you, that brought you true faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect in the flesh? No. Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doth he, doth, doeth, he, ugh, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness... Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Think about that just for a second. Paul argues Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now he's referring back to Genesis when God made a promise to Abraham about what he was going to do. And that through his seed, he was going to make of him a great nation, or he was, he was going to make him a great nation. All the nations of the world would be blessed. His, uh, his, those, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore. And that through his seed, which we also read in Galatians, is Christ. Not seeds as in many, but seed. All the nations would be blessed. And Abraham just simply said, I got you, Lord. I believe that. I understand that. I believe it. I believe you to be trustworthy and truthful and honest, and you keep your promises. I believe you. That's all it required for Abraham to be justified before God. Now, James argues something different, and this is one of the problems that Luther had when he came to the understanding, oh, we're saved by faith. He was having a tough time finding out, you know, he, he even questioned whether James was part of Scripture. Because James talks about, we're not justified by faith alone, right? But what's his argument there? He's saying your faith without the works, Ephesians 2, what we read there in verse 10, if you don't have the works accompanying your faith, it's a dead faith. Why? He says because demons believe and they even tremble. They go farther than many men. They tremble because of their belief. But are they saved? Have they been justified? Have they been forgiven their sin? No, they haven't. They continue on in their sin. 
And this is something to ask yourself. If you call yourself a Christian and you continue on in your sin, practicing your sin, what makes you any different than the demons? Are you really genuinely? Have you been born again? Have you been converted? Oh, I remember when I walked the aisle. I didn't ask that. I remember when I prayed a prayer. I didn't ask that either. I remember when I was baptized. I didn't ask that either. When were you converted? When did you start to show fruits of repentance? Abandoning your sin. You had a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You were in the word of God. You desired it more than your food. You desired it more than going out and partying. You desired it more than whatever lust you were seeking to fulfill in the flesh. If that's never changed, friend, you've not known the Christ. And I can tell you that from experience. I did everything that I was told. I'd be scared to go to hell, right, as a, as a kid. I don't know how many times I walked the aisle, prayed the prayer, said the Romans Road thing, was baptized, all this. And I'm a preacher's kid. I didn't know. You know what? You know what changed me? God. I wasn't looking for him. He came and sought me out, just like he did everybody in Scripture. Adam and Eve didn't go find looking for God. They were trying to hide from him. God had to go find them, and then he had to uh, get skins and cover their their nakedness. He did all the work for them just like he did for every single person in Scripture and in history who knows him and who are his. He does the work. You don't do the work. You just simply are a responder to the work he's done. That's it. So here's Abraham. He is said to be justified just because he believed God. And how did he demonstrate that he believed God? This was James's argument. In his book, he was willing to sacrifice his own son because God said so, because we're told in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed that even if he slew his son, God had made a promise through that son and that he would resurrect him from the dead. That's what we're told in Hebrews. But God didn't, God didn't require that of him. In, in fact, instead of his son dying at the hands of his father, what happened? God provided a sacrifice, didn't he? A great picture of where we should be on the sacrificial altar to be slaughtered, and God provides a sacrifice in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus himself. All right, so this is the rest, Galatians chapter 3. And he says, and the scripture, verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. I bet you didn't know the gospel was preached unto Abraham, did you? Some of you. Yep, it was preached back then. Didn't come in the New Testament. It was preached back then in the Old Testament to Abraham. Saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And I don't want you to miss that part that I made a minute ago. Know ye, therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the what? Children of Abraham. The children of Abraham. You are a child of Abraham. You guys, you guys ever heard that song? We've taught it to our kids, right? 
Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You know, it's a simple little song, right? But it, it comes from this. Those who are of the faith of Abraham are children of Abraham. Guess what that means? They are children of Israel, too. Surprising to you? Where does Israel come from? Israel came from the loins of Abraham. (laughs) This is not hard to understand. It really isn't. Okay? The next thing here that we see, and I'm probably going to go over. I'm sorry about that. I'm just... This is this is good to me. I, I to see what God has done, and to see what the devil wants to somehow rip apart and make it about race, make it about physicalities, and things of this. This is not what the Bible teaches. But we're looking at what the Bible teaches. So he says this, verse ten. Uh, or excuse me, verse 9. So then they which are be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man be, is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident. It's evident. Okay? For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, is it? Mm-mm. Nope. The law is a condemner. It is as John Bunyan wrote in Pilgrim's Progress, this terrible burning mountain, the picture of Sinai being on fire, ready to fall over and crush us. And that's what drives us to the Christ. Because we have nowhere else to go. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Paul writes in verse 13, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then he says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to break this spiritual thing down to you on a level that you can understand. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Listen to carefully here, okay? So you don't get caught up in this Israel first stuff and Israel, the modern geopolitical state of Israel, the people of God. And we've got, if we don't bless Israel, we won't be blessed. And if we, you know, if we curse them, oh, we're done for, we're going to be cursed. Look, we're already cursed. And we're cursed because we turned our back on God. Not because of modern state geopolitical Israel, but because we've turned our back on God, the one who established us hundreds of years ago. And so look at what he says. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many. He's not talking about the blessings that would come upon the nations of those who had the faith of Abraham. That's not what he's talking about. He says, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. He wasn't talking about Isaac. He was talking about Christ. 
Now, Isaac was a child of promise. There's no question about that. And through that line came the Christ. But he says, God was talking about Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promises of none effect. And if the inheritance be by the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions. Wasn't the people weren't already sinning. They the, the law was in them. They're made in the image of God. They know when they did wrong before the law came. The law just came from God to demonstrate to them, look, I know what you guys have been doing. I know what's been going on in your heart. I know what your actions have been doing, your speech has been, your thoughts, your intentions, all of this. I know it. Now I'm going to show it to you. And so he gave them the law. And that only condemned them more. The law is a condemner for the sinner. It is a condemner. It is to drive them to cross to Christ. Paul's going to say it becomes a schoolmaster. We're going to get to that in just a second. I want to get ahead of myself. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that's lawlessness, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Well, what is that about? Didn't you just say that Abraham had faith? Yep, he sure did. But now you're going to see the fullness of it in the Christ. This is, this is why holding on to trinkets, people praying at the wailing wall, wanting to build a temple, wanting to restore sacrifices, all this other stuff is of no use. It's of no use at all. Okay? And so he says this, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all of children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's the work of God in us to make us children of Abraham, to make us part of, citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. I'm going to close out the show. I'll stick with you for a little bit. Get into chapter four for a little bit. If you want to join us, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Bradley, you've been on at three for two hours today. Don't miss it. Have a great weekend. Lord's Day. Talk to you, Lord willing, 6 a.m. on Monday. Adios. Okay. Welcome, everybody, coming over from Red State Talk Radio. Yes, the title, if, you, if you're joining in on a video channel, we were going to pick up Kate. Apparently, Kate was speaking because I could hear, you, could, you guys could hear for a brief moment at Chichester. And um, I, I didn't get the fullness of what was going on there, so I'm going to have to go back and change the title, and that's okay. Uh, and I do apologize again for some of the things. I, I'm, I'm winging it today, okay? I really am winging it today. Uh, but... This is something been on my heart for two or three days now uh, with what we're dealing with in the, in the chat on Rumble from a guy who really doesn't know the Scripture at all. Um, and it, it's, it's really a sad thing. So I, I, I'm hoping that maybe this gentleman will tune in and he'll actually listen to what's being said here. 
uh, and see exactly what's going on. Real quickly, um, I'm not going to stay over long because, you know what? Washing machine's down again. I just changed the uh, com- the computer thing out, like, I don't know, several months ago. You guys remember that. And now it's out again. I think it's an actuator, at least from what I can tell. So I've got to go out on a Saturday and try to find a, a repair place that has parts to, to try to fix that. Um, we'll see what that, and who knows what that's going to cost. Anyway, chapter four of Galatians. Check this out. He continues his argument. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differing not, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. In other words, there was a particular time that God was going to send his Son into the world. And not until. It was not a fluke that Jesus came about. God didn't just say, oh, well... I guess I'm going to put my son down there sometime. Um, This looks like a good time to throw him in. No, he had a plan and a purpose. And if you go back and you read Daniel chapter 9, you'll see there was a time frame that he was going to come in. And this is why, this is why Jesus could look to the Pharisees and he says, you can look to the sky, you can see when it's going to, when it's going to rain, right? You, You know that. But you're ignorant of the time of your visitation. Now, why was that? They didn't know the scriptures. Oh, they read them. But they didn't know them. Because if they'd read Daniel chapter 9, it gave a time frame of when the Christ was to come and what he would do. He would be cut off for his people to confirm a covenant. When you read Daniel chapter 9, not to get way off here, because this will be for another time. When you read Daniel chapter 9, that covenant that takes place there, and he confirms that covenant in the midst of the week, that's not Antichrist. He isn't even mentioned. I mean, there is... There, again, Antichrist is only mentioned first and second John. The one who confirms the covenant is the Lord Jesus Christ. How long was his ministry? Three and a half years. When did he start his ministry? The Bible tells us, I think it's the book of Luke, he tells us he began to be about 30 years old, which means he ministered for three, three and a half years, right? And when you go back and you read Daniel, he talks about groups of seven years. And there's a final week. These weeks are seven years. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And so he gets to the final week and he says, in the midst of that week, what happens? He confirms a covenant with many, not all, with many. And if you go and you read what Jesus said at the Last Supper, he holds up the cup. Listen. And he says, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for how many? Many. And he confirms the covenant with his death. And as Daniel said, he puts an end to sacrifice. Now, did the sacrifices stop uh, after Jesus died, was buried, resurrected, sent in heaven? No, they didn't. They continued on for 40 years. But God put an end to them in 70 A.D. And he separated out, and he says, not going back to that, that is an abomination. The writer of Hebrews warns the people, don't go back to that. That's types and shadows. You've got the substance as Christ. It's, it's like saying, look, maybe you've got a desire for a Lamborghini. You really like looking at Lamborghinis, right? 
And I'm speaking of the flesh here, okay? And you got all kinds of books on Lamborghinis, and you know the parts and the wheels and the insides and all the every, extra stuff you can stick on them and all this stuff. And you're seeing it. And you're handling the pages in your hands. That's like what the Old Testament system was like. It's, it's like a picture book. It's shadows. It's types. Now let me ask you something. How many of you, if somebody gave you a Lamborghini, would say, no thanks, I'd rather have all these books about Lamborghinis? Who would do that? Maybe there's somebody who would do it. You, do you get the idea of what I'm saying? Why do you want books about Lamborghinis when you've when you got the real thing? I mean, not that you, books are bad. I'm not saying that. We still content, have the Old Testament. And we look back at those things and we can see the Christ in those types and shadows that were laid out before. No. Right of Hebrews says, hang on to the Christ. And so this is what Paul, Paul is, this is part of Paul's argument here in the book of Galatians. So here's what he goes on to say. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That we might receive the adoptions of sons. Now, most of you know, if you, if you heard me for any length of time, you know that I am adopted. I understand what it is to be a part of a family that I didn't biologically come from. And when you go to Ephesians chapter 1, you see that it's the work of God. I can't say that I chose God. I, I wasn't seeking after God. In fact, we're told in Romans chapter 3, none seek after God. These seeker churches are nonsense. That They're not biblical. I know people don't seek after God. They're dead in their sins. And so if somebody does come to me and they're inquisitive of spiritual things, they can only do that by the Spirit of God. And it's a duty that I have to give them the gospel. Okay? And so he says, we receive the adoption of sons. Now, what happens with adoption? Well, one, you come, you get a new family name. I, you know, I, I was gonna, I was gonna pull this up. Uh, behind me, I had to go. Excuse me, let me lay hands on you because my camera went out of focus. Okay, um, <laughs> so I had to get birth certificates done for something that I'm doing. I, I didn't have any birth certificates, and my birth certificate on it says I was born at 2:27 a.m. Like most of my kids, that's <laughs> just a weird thing. I thought that was kind of cool though. Um, on January 21st, 26, 1969, I don't even know how, how old I am. And the list of my parents are my parents that live 100 yards away from me. They've been my parents since I was about two months old. I don't know any other parents. I have people that ask me, don't you want to go find your birth mother and this, that? You know, I think it'd be kind of cool to run into them, and I, and I would thank her for not destroying me. And I would want to make sure that she was a believer. I would want to give her the gospel and say, you gave me life, let me give you something back. Now, I'd like to 
meet the guy who was my dad. They weren't married. She was in a nursing school, straight-A student. But when I was adopted, guess what I got? I got a new name. They kept Timmy. They called me Baby Timmy. I was named after uh, a missionary, my first name, who won my dad to the Lord. He was a missionary in Indonesia for almost as long as I knew him, up until, I don't know, 15 or 20, 15 or 20 years ago. They came back to the States, and they've been here pastoring a church, but I was named Charles, Charles Timothy. So you get it, right? Charlie Brown, I get it. It was a funny thing in, in first grade until I told people, quit calling me that. <laughs> don't call me Charles. I don't like it. But when I came into that family, guess what I got? I got an inheritance. I became an heir of theirs. My mom and dad never treat, and, and like, they were told they couldn't have children. Then when I was about 12, they had my brother, and then about two years later, they had my sister. They were told they couldn't have children, so they wanted to adopt. My parents have never treated me any different than they've treated my brother and sister who came from their own bodies. And you know who's on the wheel? You know who's the heir? I am. I'm the one responsible if, you know, something happens to them. I've got, I'm trusted to divvy that stuff up with my brother and sister. But I got a new name. I became an heir. I was loved. I was taken in as a son. This is what Paul says happens to those in Christ. They are taken from being, let's, let's forgive the vernacular here. They are taken from being bastard sons, illegitimate sons. That's probably a better term to use, but you get it. There was no union between my mom and dad, my, my biological father and mother. There was no marriage union there. It was illegitimate. That's, what we, that's how we term it. And yet I went from that, being an outcast, a bastard son, to being a child of God. <laughs> Do I deserve that? Nope. I deserve quite the opposite. I deserve never to have been born. Especially... The older I got and the more rebellious I became, I definitely deserved the judgment of God. It is the Christ who bore that judgment for me, just as he does for any sinner who comes to him. But if you're outside of Christ, guess what? You're already condemned. Everybody wants to quote John 3.16. Well, did you read the rest of the passage? Because John 3.17 and following says that if you don't believe, you're already condemned. You're already condemned. So, Paul goes on. We've received the adoption of sons, and because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I teach my kids, you don't pray to Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? That's who we're to pray to. We're to pray through Jesus because he's our mediator to the Father. He's the one who reconciled us back unto him. This is the term of endearment. Now, some people come around, and especially my older kids, they'll come in and they'll go, Father, Father. <laughs> That's, they've been doing that since they were little kids. And some of the younger ones call me dad or daddy, okay? But that's what this is. 
Abba, Daddy, Father. It's this, it's not this term that stands, I'm standing afar off from you. It's this thing that we feel like we can come to God as our daddy. It's an intimate thing. We've been afar off. We were strangers from the promises of God, and yet he brought us near by Christ Jesus to the point where we're not strangers. We're not enemies. We're not just citizens. We're children of the Most High. Wherefore, thou art no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Remember what I just said about being an heir? This is what God has done through us in, uh, for us in Christ. He has made us heirs. Heirs of what? Everything that's his. So listen carefully. I'm going to give you something very practical on this. How many of you think Facebook is Facebook's pr- platform? How many of you think that whatever building somewhere is that person's building? How many of you think that governments are just, that's their, that's their government and they're going to do what they want to do? How many of you have some of this kind of thinking like that? It's all Christ, which means it's all ours. And our job as Christ's people is to push the crown rights of King Jesus on everything in the society. Everything. We're not to be those who beg for scraps from our Father's table. No, no, no. We sit at the table, and we're to be fed by our Father. And what's His? All things. Let me throw this one at you, too. In case you think the devil's running the world, okay? I know some people say that. They say the devil's just running everything. Don't you know he's the God of this world? Yeah, I know. Take that stuff out of context all you want to. But if you go back into Matthew, and we hit on this just a little bit, and I probably need to pull this one up, just so people catch what's going on. You go back into Matthew, and you go over there to chapter 28, and you get on over there to verse 18. Here's what you read. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, uh, Okay, the Zoom thing's gone. Sorry about that. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Let me ask you something. How much power does Christ have? How much does he have? See, he says all power is given to him, right? Is that just in heaven? Because most people will say, yeah, Christ, you know, believers would say, yeah, Christ has power in heaven. But he says, and in earth. The devil's not all-powerful. He's not his own autonomous devil. He's God's devil. He does God's bidding. God uses him for his purposes. He doesn't get off the chain, so to speak. Okay? He doesn't get off the chain. And the Bible tells us that Jesus has all power on heaven and earth. This is why when you read the Lord's model prayer, if you want to read the Lord's real prayer, you'd go to John 17. But if you read the model prayer of how he taught his disciples to pray, how to pray... What does he say that we pray for? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? That's what we pray. Why would we pray such a thing if it's not possible to accomplish? 
That doesn't make sense. Oh, well, that's going to come at the end of time and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. We're to enforce what Christ, the victory Christ has won. And we're to enforce it here on the earth. We do that in the preaching of the gospel. We do it in loving our neighbor. We do it in correcting those in government. We do that in bringing justice in the society. We do that in loving our wives, loving our children, wives being keepers at home and and loving their husbands and their children. We do it in teaching our children. We do it in a number of ways in which God has placed within us his spirit to accomplish these things. And so when we go back into the book of Galatians, and I'm going to try to wrap it up here in the next uh, 10 minutes or so. When we go into the book of Galatians, what do we see here? Well, after we've been given the opportunity to call him Daddy Father, Abba Father, he says this, Wherefore, thou art no longer or no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods? But now, after that, ye have known God, or rather have are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? He's talking about the same thing the writer of Hebrews is talking about. You're going back to this get circumcised stuff. Go to the temple. You know, have sacrifices. You turn again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage, not free. That's another thing. This this guy who was commenting on a Rumble channel, he goes, you're attacking the greatest president ever who gave you true liberty. Friends, my liberty does not come from Donald Trump. It does not come from a man. It comes from nobody else but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you have a liberty that's dependent upon man, you don't have liberty. You've got slavery. Don't kid yourself. But see, that's the error that is taught by people like that man. He is in bondage. He, he is like uh, those in Second Peter chapter 2. They promise them liberty, but they are the slaves of corruption. And what's the remedy? Repentance. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What what does Paul talk about here? He says, what's the thing they're getting in bondage over? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first, and my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Let me slide down just a little bit. It doesn't take away from the context because he's still writing in the, in the context here. He asked them a question. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Sarah and Hagar, remember? Sarah is the wife. She wants to help God out in fulfilling the promise, so she, I just can't, I I just, 
I don't know. I don't know any women <laughs> who's going to take a handmaid in the house and say, "Hey, will you go in there and have sex with my husband so that we can fulfill this promise?" And I just don't know anybody like that. But Sarah did it, and that's where they got in trouble. So here's what happens. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. That's Ishmael. He was not a part of, he was not a child of promise. He was part of the covenant, though. He received the sign of the covenant. And by the way, just to remind you, it isn't just about that line of Abraham. All of Abraham's servants received the sign of the covenant, too. That is of circumcision. Okay? Didn't mean they had faith, just meant they were in his household. This is the God made the covenant with Abraham and with his household. And that included those who were who weren't even elect, like Ishmael. Okay. But he of the free woman was by promise. That's Isaac. Which things are an allegory. Paul says, yes, they're real people, but there's an allegory here of what's going on. And this is what he says. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai. Okay, that's the one where Moses brings down the law. Uh, he'll take and he'll read the book to the people. He'll sprinkle the book with blood. He'll sprinkle the people with blood. That's the covenant that's being given. And immediately they break the covenant, which should have been their death. Okay, that's, that's the whole thing. So that's Sinai. And answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Remember, Jesus told the Pharisees of the day that they were in bondage, and they go, we've never been in bondage to anybody, and they were in bondage to the Romans. I mean, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. The arrogance. It's something like many Americans today that think they're free while they're under the bondage of the federal government. They don't know what it is to be free. They don't know what it is to have liberty. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Oh, excuse me, I jumped down a, a, a verse, so let me read that. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So check this out. While people want to fight over a postage stamp piece of land over there in the Middle East, Paul says, What do you got? What are you doing with that? You don't know the reality. We have come to the Jerusalem that is above. We've already come there. But we're citizens of Israel, citizens of Jerusalem, and our king is Jesus. That's where we've come. This is what Paul is saying. And he goes on and he says this, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Hallelujah. We're children of promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. And Paul knew it firsthand. Those born after the flesh, the Pharisees, the Jews that were attacking Jesus, also came after him. Now, he won many Jews, just as he won many Gentiles, to the Lord. But they persecuted him. They even stoned him outside a city, left him for dead. And he finishes with this. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? 
cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We're not in bondage in Christ. We are set free. And the Bible says, whomever the son sets free is what? Free indeed. Even if we're in a prison cell, we're free indeed because it is a freeing. We are free as people. There's something else that's interesting because because Paul concludes the book of Galatians with this. And I think this is this was one of the things when I ran across this, this was just like, wow, okay. Not that what we haven't talked about hasn't been a wow moment too. But he says this. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. In other words, what they want to do is they don't want to be persecuted by the Jews of the day, and so they'll go along with the circumcision. They'll, they'll kind of, you know, they may sneak over there to do a sacrifice or show up at the temple or something like that because they don't want to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They don't do it. They don't keep the law. And Jesus pointed it out time and time again they didn't keep the law. And they didn't even keep the laws that they made up on their own. But desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. In other words, it's say, we've got a convert. And you remember what Jesus said, that you, you travel sea and everything else to make a convert, and you make them twice the son of hell. And so what does he say? But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. It reminds me of, any of you guys heard of uh, Athanasius? Yeah, he was the guy who was standing up, you know, the Athanasian Creed. He was the one who, who talked about, you know, we use the term Trinity, that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. He was the one who, who was upholding that, okay? And they said, Athanasius, don't you realize you're standing that the world is against you? And Athanasius looked and he says, then let the world know I'm standing against it. Is that your attitude today? Who cares how many numbers are against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hundreds of thousands? Not a problem. You know the greatest number of kills in the Bible belongs to the Lord Jesus. Hundreds of thousands slaughtered in a moment in Israel for their rebellion against God. I don't worry about that. Am I concerned what people do in this world? Yes. And I want to stand against it. I don't put out things to cause fear. That's not the point of it. The thing is, so we're equipped to do what we're supposed to do. Let me finish this real quickly. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the what? Israel 
of God. Now, who is the Israel of God? Hasn't he been telling us? Who's Israel? Even the dispensationalists get this. They're children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? They get it. Well, what did Paul just tell us? Who's children of Abraham? Those that have the faith of Abraham. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not part of Israel. You're not. And those who have set up a nation state of Israel are not Israel. It is the church. And I really wish they had not even used the term church. Real quickly. Had they used the proper translation, they would have used assembly. And that's all through the Old Testament. Everybody knew what that was. Okay? But just so you know that I'm not trying to pull your leg here, I want to take you over, and this will be what we close out with. Actually, I'm going to come back, just finish out the two verses in uh, Galatians, but I just want to make this this particular uh, this particular point to you. And um, let me make sure I get this. Okay, so everybody remember Stephen in Acts chapter 7? Stephen recounts the history of Israel to the Sanhedrin. And when he ultimately ends up with Christ, that's when they want to stone him. I want you to listen to what Stephen had to say about the church in the Old Testament. He's talking about Moses, and in verse 37 he says, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him you shall hear. This is he, and he's talking about Christ, that was in the what? what what's that word right there? The church. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Now, when did the wilderness happen? Hmm. And that was in the Old Testament, wasn't it? With the angel which spoke to him, or spake to him, in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Oh, my goodness. There was a church in the Old Testament. Yes, there was. The church is not anything new. There's a New Testament church, and there's an Old Testament church, But it's still the church. It's still the assembly of the people of God. That's it. That's what it is. So let's close out here with Galatians. Yeah, Mr. Wordsmith, you're exactly right. You made mention of that the other day when we were talking about these things, when it talked about uh, the rock is Christ. I think it was out of uh, Colossians, or no, it was uh, 2 Corinthians, I think. I talk about the water that watered the people when they had left Egypt. And Paul says that rock was Christ. (laughs) I mean, it's all there, folks, if you want to take the time to look at it instead of following false teachers with errors and things of that nature. Here's how Paul closes out Galatians. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. In other words, this guy had been beaten, he had been shipwrecked, he had been uh, thrown in prison, he had been hungry, he had been naked, he had been clothed, he had had much... He had had all these things, and he bore in his body the persecutions of being faithful to the Lord Jesus. And then he says, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. 
And that will be our benediction for today. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Again, have a great weekend, a great Lord's Day, and Lord willing, we'll see you at 6 a.m. on Monday. See ya.